Awesome. Let's pray over the message and jump in. Lord, would you let this be a life-changing day today? And not because of me, not because of any, any human uh, skill, but because your word says that the word of God is transformational, that, that it, it cuts to the very bone. And Lord, we have come here today courageously and boldly to say, we want your word to change us this morning. And so everyone who's here, you brought here. No one's here by accident. So Lord, would you speak your word? Would you let me speak it truly and accurately this morning? We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. All right. We are getting towards the end of Colossians. We only got a couple weeks left. Like I said last week, we're into the farewell part of this. Because remember, it's, it's a letter. So Paul is kind of getting to the closing remarks of this letter. So he's getting to the farewell part of it. And last week, we looked at this idea of who are you working for? Who are you serving? Because he's talking about having your life honor God. And, and if you're a Christian, that should be your ultimate goal, is that your life honors God. And, and Paul says you do this by working with all of your heart, not just working when someone's watching, but really working with all of your heart. And so how do you get there? How do you do that? And we talked about you got to know who you're working for. If you're working for humans, if you're working for human rewards, for someone to notice you and give you a pat on the back, then you are always going to be stuck in that I'll work hard when someone's watching or when, when I get rewards for it. But, but the Bible says if you want your life to really honor God, you got to work for him, which means he's the one who's going to reward you. And, and it might not be fair in the moment, but you trust and know that he's going to make all things right. In fact, when, when your life is over, you're going to look at God and say, you're so good to me. And you got to be able to trust that in the midst of maybe some unfairness that you have to walk through in your life. So we're going to move on and read the next two verses today. This is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. This is what it says. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. Hold on. There we go. Now it's five through six. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I got to take a step back. That was not what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about prayer and how it's not about being good at it, not about being skilled, it's about being devoted to it. The question is, are you willing to keep praying even when you're not seeing results? Even when things aren't changing? Are you ready to devote yourself to prayer? And you do this by watching, paying attention to what's going on so you're not fooled, but also being grateful so that you're praying with the right posture of expectancy of who God is. Does that sound more right to you guys? All right, all right, good. So, Today in Colossians chapter 4, where we're going to is this idea that it matters how we speak and act to unbelievers. It matters. Now that probably isn't a revolutionary idea to a lot of us, but I think most of us would agree in the climate that we're living in right now, this is probably a good thing to review because we are living in a climate where it's very easy to ignore this. And, and most of us probably struggle with this. And Paul is talking specifically to, to the Colossians. And he's saying, hey, 
pay attention to how you're acting towards people who are lost, towards people who are not Christians. Pay attention to how you treat them. Pay attention to how you speak to them because it matters. And, and what he's doing, and this is many places in the Bible, the New Testament, is this idea where a lot of times we struggle viewing unbelievers or lost people as our enemy. And the Bible says that is not the case. The Bible actually says that our enemies aren't even flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. We fight against spiritual battles. There's warfare going on in the spiritual realm, and that's who we fight. That's the fight that we have. But oftentimes, it's very easy to look at unbelievers and lost people as our enemies. But the Bible actually says they're not our enemies. They are our mission on this earth. And you can imagine the damage that can be done when you confuse your mission for your enemy. Things are probably going to go wrong. And that's why Paul is like, look, you have to understand this. Because it's really easy, and let's just be honest, it's easy to get in the mindset of we need to beat unbelievers. We need to win. We need to prove them wrong. We didn't make them look foolish. And it's, it's easy to get locked into that. But our goal is not to beat them. Our goal is to prov provide for them a path to Christ. That's our mission, is to provide a path to, to be the witness to them that gives them a way to Christ. That is our goal. I know for me, we, we, we've listened to a lot of testimonies this year, and I hope we're going to listen to more. And I have not heard anyone say, I was an unbeliever, and then someone just insulted me so bad that I knew I had to become a Christian, right? Someone was just verbally abusive to me, and I thought, yep, today's the day that I commit to Christ. I have never heard that testimony, ever, because that's not really what we see in the Bible. And this is specifically what Paul is talking about, is it might feel good to, to beat someone down and to, to make them feel foolish and to yell and scream at them. But there's really no fruit in that if we're looking at what our mission is, which is lost people finding Jesus, for them to come to a saving relationship with Jesus. And, and we can see this heart while Jesus was here on earth. I'm going to read to you in Matthew. This is uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It kind of starts with that idea of understanding that lost people are lost, and what they're doing makes sense for lost people to do. It's easy for us who have a relationship with Jesus, who have that hope, to say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you saying those things? That doesn't make any sense. But that's because we have a relationship with Jesus. We have, we have something bigger, something greater. But when, when Jesus looked at the lost people, he had compassion on them because he knew they were lost. And so instead of saying, we need to beat these people down and we need to make sure they know how dumb they are, he looked at his disciples and said, they need, they need people to go work in that field. There's people ready for harvest, and we need people who are willing to go out and give those people away to me. How we speak and act towards unbelievers and lost people is vital to our mission, which is to be witnesses. 
in all of the earth of who Jesus is. So how do we do this well? How do we make this change? And this is, again, where I love Paul. He gives us some really good, solid footing on how to do this. The first thing he says is we need to be wise. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Which begs the question, what is wisdom? Because wisdom is one of those words that we all use, but we all kind of have a different definition of what wisdom is. So let me bring you to Proverbs, because Proverbs is kind of like the wisdom book of the Bible. And this is Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And what you have to understand is wisdom is basically knowledge and understanding put together. And this is where we can get confused because we can say knowledge is the same thing as wisdom. And those of you who have been around for a long time, is knowledge the same as wisdom? It's not the same. They're two very, very different things. So knowledge is understanding what is technically correct, right? You get, any of you have that friend that no matter what you say, they're like, well, technically, no one likes that guy. No one likes that person. Well, technically, it's like, here's the best way I can, I can describe the difference between knowledge and wisdom. This is my favorite. Les is probably sick of hearing it, but I love it because it makes me laugh. Knowledge is knowing that tomato, a tomato is a fruit. Do you guys know that? Technically, a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing to not put it in a fruit salad right? Because that doesn't make any sense. If you put a tomato into a fruit salad, it's going to taste terrible because you have to have the understanding to know what do I do with the knowledge that I have. Knowledge is great, and I'm not downplaying knowledge because knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. You can't know how to use knowledge if you don't have any. So I'm not downplaying knowing technical things. But wisdom is more than that. Wisdom is knowing how to use what you know, when it's the right time to use it. Oftentimes, we want to rely on knowledge more than wisdom because it's easier. It's easier to, to use knowledge than it does wisdom. Wisdom takes work. You've got, to, you've got to take time to think and process. You've got, to, you've got to pray. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because it's, it's one of those things, if let's say somebody is, is really hurting, they had something really bad happen in their life, they suffered a major loss, and, and, and they're, they're, they're crying, and, and they're really struggling, for me to come up and be like, well, God says it's going to be okay, so stop. Is that wisdom? I could say, technically, I'm correct. I can point to the Bible verse that says that. I'm technically correct, but that's not wisdom. That's just spouting facts. And we are not called to just spout facts. We're, we're called to actually have wisdom in when to say what. And the Holy Spirit has promised to help us with that. But this is where when we talk to, to lost people, it's easy to, to say things that are not helpful, say things that are not fruitful, and we can say, but I'm right. And it's like, great, you use knowledge. But did you use wisdom? Did you actually use wisdom to know, is this fruitful? Is this helpful? Is this going in the right direction? Because that's understanding. And, and the Bible tells us that God gives us wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There's times in my life 
where people have, have quoted Bible verses to me that were quoted perfectly and just not what I needed to hear at that time. Anyone else have that happen to them? It hurts. It's, it's like, you, did you take the time to really think about this? Did you take the time to pray about this? Because I don't think that, that you spoke that with understanding of, of what I'm going through and where I'm at. And so Paul says the first thing is when, when we are having interactions with lost people and unbelievers, we need to have wisdom, which means, yes, we need to know what the Word of God says. We need to know what's truth. But we need to also seek the understanding of when to use that, what to say when. And that's the beauty is the Holy Spirit has promised to help us to know that. And so we have to start with that. It's not enough just to say, I was technically correct. It's like, great, that's a start. That's knowledge. But, but I believe that we are called to something deeper than that. We're called to actually have understanding when we talk to lost people and unbelievers. And I would say when we talk to anybody, even when we talk to our spouses, I would say, I know I could use more understanding sometimes. There's been plenty of times where I'm like, well, I'm technically correct, but that wasn't helpful, right? It's not helpful sometimes to say that. And we need to have that understanding when we talk with them. It's more than just being able to say, well, I was right. One of my favorite uh, quotes that I usually talk to people if I'm doing premarital counseling is that you can be right but wrong at the top of your lungs. You ever heard that? You can be right but wrong at the top of your lungs. And it's the same thing with unbelievers. You can be right but wrong at the top of your lungs. Second thing is we need to seize every opportunity. He says, make the most of every opportunity. And if you translate this word for word, it, it literally means to redeem the time. That word redeem means to take something that is kind of locked down and through, through resources that you put into it, you make it more than it was before. That's what we're redeemed. We, we were locked down to, to sin. And because of what Jesus did, we have been made into more than we could have ever been before. And it, it says, do this with your time. Redeem your time. Make more of it than you thought was even possible. This is Jesus again talking in John chapter 9. And he's, he's talking to his disciples because he's in this, this part of his ministry where he is just doing a ton. He is miracles and preaching. And everywhere he goes, he's kind of like a rock star. And he is, he is going, and there is a bunch happening. And this is what he says in John chapter 9, verse 4. He says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And he's explaining, there's limited time here. You know, it's really easy to feel like you have forever especially when you're young. It's easy to feel like life's going to go on forever. And I think as we get older, we start to understand more and more how limited we have and how few opportunities we actually have while we're here on earth. And Jesus is saying, look, while you have opportunities, use them. Don't just be like, I'll have another opportunity later. Because the reality is you have a set number of opportunities to witness to unbelievers. I don't know if you guys ever think about that. There's a set number of times that you are going to be able to be a witness to who Jesus is to someone who's lost. It's limited. There's going to be a day or an hour where, where that's not going to be possible anymore. And so you start to think of it in those terms of, hey, I only have so many opportunities to do this. I only have so much time here on this earth in which to be a witness 
to who Jesus is. And I want to make the most out of every opportunity. I saw this thing online that I thought was really cool. And, and it said how, you know how you always look at past seasons of your life and you're always like, man, I wish I would have appreciated them more, right? You're like, ah, oh, that was such a great season. And I was too busy worried about this or that. And I didn't really enjoy it. And, and we can do that with almost every season of our life. Look back and go, oh, there was so much good in that season. And I just wish I would have appreciated it more. Because now that I'm out of it, I can really see how good that was and all the good things. And, and so there's this thing that I saw that said, why not try on a given day to just pretend like you have come back in time, like you found a time machine and you came back in time to this season specifically so that you can enjoy whatever is really good about this season. And it is really powerful when you start to look at your life in that time of like, this season is limited. It's, it's not always going to be like this. In fact, probably pretty soon things are not going to be the way they are right now. And there's, there's some really good things right now that I should probably take advantage of and, and seize the opportunity to enjoy or, or use and, and work because it's so easy for us to just think, man, time's going to go forever and this season's going to last forever. But it never does, does it? It always goes pretty fast. And this is what Paul is saying. When it comes to lost people and unbelievers, understand you only have so long to, to really make an impact for the kingdom of God. You only have so many opportunities to, to be a witness to who Jesus is. So make the most out of it when you get one. Make the most out of every opportunity. Expect that the Holy Spirit has been working on people. Because that's what the Bible says, is the Holy Spirit is actually convicting people of sin. And this is one of the, the changes that I made in my, my own life, is when I'm just out doing things, expect that the people that I'm coming across the Holy Spirit has a plan for them and is working on them and might just be putting them in my life for a reason that day. And when you start to think that way and start to look for those opportunities, I'm shocked at how often it happens. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not telling you you have to force anything, right? You don't have to chase people down the road screaming at them. If you feel like you're supposed to, that's fine. That's not how I would probably do it. But just be aware and pay attention and, and understand that you, if you're a believer, you are in the game. Wherever you go, you're, you're a player in this whole thing. And the Holy Spirit is moving and will give you opportunities because you are not on the bench if you are a believer. You are in the game everywhere you go. And you have to pay attention because you will never, never know when that opportunity might happen. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. It's probably going to be at inopportune times, right? That's kind of the irony of this whole thing, is opportunities to witness usually come at inopportune times, when you're busy, where you're late, where you've got a lot to do. And, and this has been true in my life. And the number of times where I was close to just giving up an opportunity to witness because I was late for something. And I thought, oh my goodness, Eric, you got to get your mind right. Because what is more important than the kingdom of God? But it always seems to be when you're late, when you're busy, where you got a bunch going on and you're stressed out, that all of a sudden someone comes, someone gets put into your life that you have that ability to be an ambassador 
for who Jesus is to them. And, and maybe you're not going to get a sinner's prayer in that moment, but you have the opportunity to plant a seed that someone else might water. Or you might have an opportunity to water a seed that someone else planted or just encourage somebody who's on the fence. Give them one more reason to, to lower their walls. Those are the opportunities. And that's the beauty of the kingdom of God is we're not in it alone. All you might have to do is plant a seed. All you might be called to do is just encourage someone, be one more ambassador for who Jesus is. That might be all you're called to do. And if we're all obedient to do it, we are going to see a harvest in this world. So we've got to be wise. We have to make the most out of every opportunity. And here's how I would say you make the most out of every opportunity. This is what Paul tells us. He says, always speak with grace. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. That word grace means kindness. That's undeserved. That's, that's what it means. Is, is when, when Jesus died on the cross, we call that grace because that was a kindness that we did not deserve. We couldn't, we couldn't earn. And we're called, when it comes to our conversation, to speak with grace, to speak with kindness, to extend favor to people who don't deserve it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is really hard. This is really hard because unbelievers are lost which means they are going to insult you. They're living in darkness. They're going to attack things that you love. They're going to be a threat to things you've built. And it's going to be really, really easy to say, oh, you attack me, I will attack you back, right? That's, that's really easy to get into that mindset. But this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Not only are we not given the freedom to say, oh, you hit me, I get to hit you back, but it's saying you were actually called to this. You were called to be insulted and to not insult back. You were called to people to attack and for you to not attack back. That's a calling that as Christians we have on our life. Now that's not a fun calling, is it? And I'm going to be honest, I have failed at this before. Most of us probably have failed at this. Where someone says just the right thing, and it's like, yeah, nope, you're getting, you're getting attacked. But we are called to not. We're called to speak with grace even if they are insulting us, even if they are attacking us, even if they are a threat to something that we love and have built, we are called to speak with grace, right? I think the question I ask is, why is it worth it? If this is so hard, and I think most of us would admit that this is incredibly hard to do, then why is it worth it? What's, what's the outcome? And I want to bring you back to Proverbs because this is beautiful. This is what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When it comes to lost people, you have to understand they're broken. They're lost. They're in darkness, just like we were. We were all broken. We were all lost. We were all in that place. But what we're called to do as Christians, as ambassadors for who Jesus is, what did Jesus bring to people? Healing, wholeness, 
And if we're going to be ambassadors, that is what we should be bringing to the lost. And the only way we can do that is with speaking words that are coded in wisdom, which means they're not going to be reckless. They're not going to be hurting people. People should not be more wounded after talking to a Christian than they were before it. They should be at least given a path to wholeness and peace and healing. That's the goal for all of us. Now, that's really hard to do. But this isn't an accident. Did you catch what it said? It said seasoned with salt. And that word seasoned is actually a past tense word. It means since you have been seasoned with salt, speak with grace. And that word season means to prepare. Like if, if, if I were to season food, I'd be preparing food. And you do that ahead of time. You do that before you cook it. We just made a, a pork shoulder yesterday. It was delicious. I'm full of pork today. That's probably why I'm in a good mood. But what you do is you have to put the salt on it and let it sit before you cook it because that is what makes it prepared to do that. And, and why, why I tell you this is that this is not going to happen by accident. You're not going to stumble your way into speaking with grace to someone who's insulting you. You're not going to just happen your way to that. That comes through preparation. That comes through being prepared for those situations, knowing they're coming and getting yourself prepared to have grace in those situations, being prepared to be an ambassador for Jesus. And that word ambassador just means, most of you know what it is. It's when one country goes to another country and, and brings one person to say, you might not know much about our country, but this person will represent us. And if you spend time with this person, you're going to more or less know what our country is all about. And that's what we're called to be for Jesus, is if people spend time with us, they should know more or less what Jesus is all about. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to be ready to speak and act with grace even when we're insulted because that's exactly what Jesus did. And you do this through spending time with him. That's worship like we did this morning, spending time in the presence of Jesus, reading the Bible, knowing what Jesus said, what he did, knowing, knowing who God is, spending time in prayer, really talking to God, listening to him. When, when it becomes a pressure situation, when it becomes a, a push-comes-to-shove kind of situation where you are being attacked, where you are being insulted, you are not going to act like Jesus if you haven't spent time with him. you got to be seasoned with salt. you got to be ready for that. It's not going to be an, I accidentally showed grace today. It doesn't happen. It's never an accident. It's always due to being prepared for it to happen. And we do that through spending time with Jesus. Now, I want to be really clear here. I'm not saying that you need to be pushed around, that you need to let yourself be abused by people. You are allowed to give boundaries, and you're allowed to, in a conversation, say, man, this conversation isn't going anywhere. I think, I think we need to stop this. You're allowed to do that. I'm not saying, yeah, just let people verbally harass you and, and all of that. You're allowed to have boundaries. This is, and I'm not telling you to compromise your beliefs. Please hear me. I'm not telling you to compromise anything about the word of God. 
This isn't about changing your beliefs. It's about speaking it with grace. Do you guys understand the difference with that? And the best way I can put it is my goal for probably the past 10 years has been I want to be the most kind, the most gentle, immovable object on the planet. Meaning I know what truth is and I will not move off of truth. But if you try to shove me, I'm not going to move. But that doesn't mean I'm going to shove you back. It just means I'm not going to move. You can be gentle and immovable at the same time. You can be kind and firm at the same time. Those of you who are parents kind of know what that looks like. You can be firm. You can have boundaries. You can say no without being violent and aggressive. And this is what Paul is saying. Is he saying, stand on your beliefs. Speak truth. Truth is what the lost people need. If we compromise the truth, we no longer even have what they need anymore. But do it with grace. Do it with kindness. Do it with wisdom. Really take the time to, to spend that time to prepare yourself so that when you're in the moment, you have wisdom. And you know what, what it sounds like to hear from the Holy Spirit to go, eh, maybe don't say that, right? That's the best thing you can do is, is, is get good at hearing that voice of like, mm, maybe don't say that, right? Get good at hearing that voice. And that comes from spending time in the presence of God because, again, we only have so many opportunities to make an impact for this kingdom. I know it feels like we got forever, but there's a finite number of times where you will have an opportunity to be a witness and ambassador to who Jesus is. And we want to make the most out of every one of those opportunities. And that comes through wisdom, not just knowledge. That comes through wisdom. That comes from taking, uh, seizing that opportunity, even when it's not the best time. And it's like, oh man, couldn't this have happened on Tuesday, right? Making the most of it and speaking with grace and kindness doesn't mean that we, we compromise our beliefs. But that just means if someone insults us, we don't insult them back. If someone attacks us, we don't attack back but we stand firm and we speak truth because we know that is what they need. That is where the light is. And so today, that's really what I believe Paul is saying, is it matters how we speak and act to the lost and believers because they're not our enemies. They are our mission. So stand firm, but do it with grace and kindness. And I believe that if we do that, we are going to see a harvest come. I believe, I still believe that the harvest is plentiful right now. In fact, I believe this is one of the best seasons that in my life for people who are, who are open, where the harvest is there, but it is going to require these things. It's going to require wisdom and grace and the seizing of opportunities. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray over you. And I want to give the benediction. And I realize that for some of us, it's hard to know even that word benediction is, is kind of, it's just a blessing. I want to pray a blessing over you guys for this coming week of just that you do have opportunities, that you're able to take advantage of them. So Lord, number one, I thank you for your kindness. God, I thank you that you don't ask us to do anything that you have not already done for us, Lord. And you have been so kind to us. You have given us so much grace. And so, Lord, I thank you. That's the only reason that we even have the opportunity to extend grace to others is because you gave it to us first. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. 
But Lord, I do pray a blessing over everybody here. I pray that you season everyone here with salt, that they are prepared for whatever you're bringing them into in this coming week, Lord. I pray that you do give each of us opportunities to witness to lost people, to to be that ambassador so people go, oh, that's what Jesus is like. Lord, give us opportunities. Please prepare us, Lord. We need you to prepare us to give us wisdom, Lord God, to, to give us that grace that, and kindness that we can extend to others, Lord God. And I do pray that there is a harvest coming, Lord God. I pray that, that we would all stand up and be workers in your field, Lord God, trusting that, that if we all obey, there is going to be a plentiful harvest, Lord. Even if all we're doing is planting the seed and someone else is going to do, do the rest, Lord, I pray that you help us to obey whatever you're calling us to do, Lord God. I pray that we do see a harvest of lost people knowing who you are, of their lives being changed, Lord God, for your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen.